Covering an area of less than two square miles, the beachside town of Isla Vista is home to more than 28,000 people, including more than a third of the UCSB student population. Living in IV is one of the defining aspects of the college experience here, but it's also a major source of stress for students. Jam-packed houses, sky-high rent, and truly appalling building conditions are all issues that tend to boil down to historically and notoriously poor relationships between tenants and landlords. There's no quicker way to bond with another Ivy resident than complaining about your landlord situation. Mention the name of one of the big ones for an instant pained expression or horror story. Though housing in IV is an ongoing crisis for students, it also involves complications for the families who permanently reside there, which got even more complicated when the pandemic began. Welcome back to Hot Off the Pod. I'm your co-host, Melanie Zemen. And I'm your co-host, Harper Lambert. Today, we're chatting with Maya Surendra, a third-year sociology major at UCSB who serves as the outreach director at the Ivy Tenants Union, which is an associated students entity that works to empower and educate tenants in IV. Welcome, Maya. Hi, thank you. Thanks for coming on. So we wanted to start by just talking about the general layout of the housing market in IV. You know, who are the major players, what the leases are like, just like a generic rundown. Yeah. So basically, Ivy, there's a lot of landlords. You know, we've got like bigger leasing companies. We have more like smaller private landlords. You know, there's like a couple main kind of property management companies that manage a lot of properties. Um, there's also like there's more houses or, and there's apartments. Basically, kind of like whatever you're looking for, there probably is an Ivy to some extent. There's a lot of different options. Um, In terms of like the housing market, obviously, like most landlords market their housing towards students. So that would be students of like UCSB and also students at SBCC. Also, there's a lot of long term like residents and families that live in Ivy, which people like don't always realize live here. So we have those as well. And yeah, that's kind of basically the Ivy housing market. Yeah. So, you know, over a third of university students live here. Why do you think that is? I feel like people want to live in IV um, as students because, you know, there's this real sense of community and, you know, living close to your friends and people want to feel more, you know, mature than living in like a dorm. It feels like there's more of a sense of freedom, having your own house, having your own apartment, being able to live with your friends. Um, So I think people just like all living kind of close together um, and living with their friends and being able to do what they want, basically. Yeah, I definitely think it's, It's definitely a unique experience for a university and I know friends at other places and none of them have the same housing experience like it is here. Yeah, it's kind of this interesting contradiction where like living in IV is so much a part of the culture of going to UCSB, but at the same time that sort of opens students up to being taken advantage of by landlords and I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how the conditions of Isla Vista sort of lend themselves to situations uh, where students are sort of vulnerable. Yeah, for sure. I do feel like definitely because students, you're like 19, 20 years old, you're moving into a house, you've never signed a lease before, you have no idea what to look for, you have no idea what red flags are, what's fair, what's not fair. You probably don't even know how much housing is supposed to cost, really. So I feel like landlords definitely do take advantage of that. 
also because a lot of us as students, like we're very busy. So, you know, if there's an issue with something or a landlord's kind of doing something that seems wrong, a lot of people don't want to take the time to, you know, follow up or really like stick it to their landlord or feel like they can't <laughs> um, if they don't know anything. So um, I definitely think that that landlords really see that like, oh, their students they don't know any better. And like just between like what's in the leases and then also how landlords kind of like act that maybe isn't in accordance with the lease, like definitely see that a lot. And I do think it's because a lot of students live here and they just, you know, don't really have the knowledge. Yeah. Something I've also experienced is like seeing a red flag in a lease doesn't mean that you can really do anything about it because when there's a line of students waiting behind you for the same house, you really lose your bargaining power. Yeah, that's definitely true. Like there's a lot of this sense of, kind of competitiveness is the right word, but like especially pre-COVID, a lot of people like, oh, you need to find a house so early on. And like all these people want to get these houses on DP. And so, yeah, definitely it's like, if you don't sign the lease now, like I have someone else I can give the lease to, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, definitely a lot of that kind of like pressure because it is such a small town. There's only so many houses and there are a lot of students that go here. So there's definitely a lot of pressure on like finding housing and this and that and especially with everything being so expensive too so right yeah. it's like short supply high demand and these issues definitely aren't anything new I think you know according to at least the Isla Vista Tenants Union website uh, they date all the way back to the 1970s so can you tell us a little bit about the history of this friction between tenants and landlords and sort of how the IVTU came together? Yeah, sure. So um, essentially in 1998, 36 families were evicted from these three apartment buildings um, in IV. And so basically um, a coalition of students and 18 evicted families formed, uh, it was called Families and Students United. Um, and then basically after some time, we like became the Ivy Tenants Union under Associated Students. And so there's been a couple of different historical things that have happened. Like in 2006, 55 residents at Cedarwood Apartments had like a 30-day eviction notice. Most of the people that lived in Cedarwood Apartments were low-income families. And some people suspect that the eviction was due to increasing enrollment of UCSB students and that putting pressure on the housing market. As well as uh, in July 2009, um, the Rental Housing Roundtable, which is a coalition of Santa Barbara County tenant rights supporters, they rallied outside the county administration building to demand that supervisors expand the law governing how much relocation assistance landlords have to provide to displaced tenants. So basically stuff like this, that's kind of how IVTU formed. It's like these kind of mass evictions of families. So it didn't really form due to student housing rights. It more had to do with families, which obviously we work with students. We work with families, um, but that's kind of where it came from. And in like the most recent years, we haven't had any mass evictions quite like that, but we have other things for like big kind of security deposit disputes where we'll work with like a, a couple different tenants from different companies who like maybe were disputing like habitability or like security deposit returns or whatnot. So, yeah. Yeah. So the Tenants Union is funded by associated student fees, right? But it serves everybody who resides in Isla Vista. Yeah. So IBTU is funded by student fees. 
I believe it's their lock-in fee. Um, but yeah, we do serve everyone an IV. We Most of our services, like intake appointments with the attorney and whatnot, they're offered to anyone that lives in IV, not just students. You can make an appointment with the attorney if you live in IV. It doesn't matter if you go to school or not. So, you know, kind of turning towards student life because we are all students, you know, what's the role that IVTU can play in a student's life? Um, Do they have like resources or are they mainly mediating disputes between landlords and tenants? Yeah. So we have a couple different resources. Our main thing kind of that runs throughout the year is through like our budget. We pay for basically um, you can make an appointment it's now remote with our attorney or with a student caseworker, anyone can, and you can talk about whatever housing issue you're having. And we can like provide education about that topic to uh, whoever makes the appointments. We also obviously have, um, we've done two now of these grants or like emergency funding related to COVID. Our first grant was in spring and summer, and that was for like COVID associated housing fees. So like if you had to like move out or something because of COVID, we had like a grant for that. And then also currently now we have a second grant going right now. We started it um, at the beginning of winter quarter. And basically it is for anyone that is self-isolating due to COVID-19. We're reimbursing up to $150 for fees like related to delivery. So if you're getting groceries delivered or whatever, because you have COVID and you're a student at UCSB, we can give you money back for that. And the form's on our website right now some other things we're offering we do have we put on like workshops usually one to two a quarter we've been doing them remotely now we did one in fall about like leasing 101 so basically kind of just like how to sign a lease like what to look for what's the process and then um, at the beginning of this winter quarter we did a remote workshop on emotional support animals and like what they are like you know, what are your rights in regards to having an emotional support animal? Um, I think we're probably going to be doing another workshop this quarter. I'm not 100% sure. And I know at some point, probably spring, we're going to do a move out related workshop. So like, how to move out, what do you need to do, all that stuff. So that's another thing that we do too. Um, And just kind of serve to like, answer students questions, you know, provide resources and also educate people Um, you know, around the community on what their rights are and like what they can do. Yeah, I do think one of the unique things about being a student here is you come out of college having signed probably three to four leases already and kind of being familiar with the process. Um, I know that's definitely not something that a lot of kids at 22 have already experienced. Yeah, for sure. Definitely something that you know, is unique to living here is like knowing what a lease is and like what a security deposit is and like all that stuff. So it's hard to be pushed into it so soon, but um, it's something that people can learn about now. And then definitely something I think everyone can carry with them when they go on into their adult lives. So winding the clock a bit back to last March, I think it's fair to say that housing was kind of the first thing that descended into panic and IV when you know, the university sent the emails that were all in lockdown. And the Nexus at the time reported that students who were looking to break their leases to move back home for spring quarter, they would not be able to break their leases without facing consequences from their landlords. And there was a memo from an IVTU lawyer saying that housing contracts for students just don't contain the specific language 
Um, it's called force majeure, I believe, that would let students get out of a contract even in the midst of a health crisis, which neither party can control. And so in place of that, they recommended that students find subleasers from maybe people who were being housed in university properties and they were being forced to move out. So this kind of presents its own set of problems, right? Because uh, at least the word is that uh, with subleasers, leasing companies can charge more and there can be a whole host of issues. So with that, I kind of just wanted to get into what are some of the immediate concerns that popped up in the spring uh, regarding COVID and housing situations and what were most people thinking of doing? Yeah, I mean, definitely uh, a big concern back in March was people wanting to leave, people wanting to break their leases. And yeah, again, that is not something that with the health crisis, um, something that legally can't really be, you know, changed, you can't really break a lease because of COVID. So um, yeah, people trying to find subleasers and, you know, also issues with subleasers as well. Um, Seen a lot of issues with people, you know, just trying to find a subleaser very quickly. And then, you know, maybe not going through the proper procedure with their subleaser, which, um, and that kind of ending poorly. So definitely kind of just like a quickness of, you know, trying to leave IV, find a subleaser, a lot of people ran into issues with that. And so that's also partially why we did do the grant in spring and summer, because there were like definitely additional costs associated with having to like move out super quickly. And like, maybe someone had to get storage or something. So yeah, but definitely some of those issues for sure. Yeah. And I mean, the pros and cons are just kind of all over the place, depending on like everyone's individual situations. I know that like, some people have unhealthy or untenable home situations, so they couldn't go home and they needed to keep working in IV, but then other people were worried about the effect on their mental health if they stayed in lockdown in IV away from their families. So were these kind of some of the problems that people were bringing up regarding their landlords and their leases? Yeah, definitely. And a lot of people also, they didn't want to, especially with school not being in person, they didn't want to pay to live in IV um, because as we know, it's really expensive. So if people, if they were just going to be online, they wanted to be at home. And we saw that going into fall as well with people that had signed leases pre-COVID for the 2021 school year. Um, We saw that as well. People, again, trying to find subleasers so they could live at home and not have to pay to live in IV and live in IV or pay to live in IV and not be in IV. Um, definitely, I think a big way that people kind of got around that issue was just through finding subleasers because again, once the lease is signed, can't really be broken due to COVID. Yeah. And just for people who don't know, um, when do people usually sign leases in IV? October 2020 is like earliest that people were probably signing leases, but it kind of, you know, goes into January, maybe January 2021 through February. It's a little bit different with COVID, I think, because I think there's a little bit of a lower demand for housing or people not wanting to sign leases as quickly. Pre-COVID leases would be signed a lot earlier, especially if people want to, you know, live on the ocean or whatnot. But I think that maybe has changed a little bit. So, you know, living in IV has also allowed so many UCSB students to, re- to maintain some kind of normalcy in their lives during this pandemic. Do you think that pro 
kind of outweighs the con that, you know, we are putting ourselves at a higher risk by being in this dense community? Yeah, I definitely think that it's, you know, important for people, obviously people, you know, they want to be able to live with their friends and whatnot. And it helps if you're living with like some people you're friends with, it makes it a little more bearable to be in lockdown. But I think also we do run into issues, obviously, with, um, you know, people in IV and COVID and COVID spreading around IV. Um, So I feel like, it's a pro people can be here and be diligent but um a con if not yeah something also that we were talking about before we got on here with you is that it looked like in the spring there were landlord companies sort of appealing to or advertising to students that are out of the area um, including at schools like usc and ucla and they were posting on free and for sale and UCSB housing, some of the Facebook pages that students usually use to like negotiate housing with each other. Um, And I think the reaction was pretty strong. People seemed really angry, uh, not only because these are sort of traditionally student run forums, but also because it is dangerous bringing in, you know, outsiders to a community where COVID was always going to be a problem considering as Melanie said, how densely populated it is. Yeah, I think that, you know, there is this really interesting dynamic of UCSB students really claiming IV as part of their community and part of our campus community, but it is completely separate. You know, the university has little to no control over what goes on in IV, which I think is something they've struggled with, especially during COVID. And we can't control who lives here. And and the fact is there are a lot of people who live here who are, have no affiliation with the university. Yeah, exactly. And that's the other thing too, is there are, you know, obviously people, you know, there's not just UCSB, but there's also SBCC, SBCC students. Um, and also there are families that live here. There's families that have lived here for a really long time. So I think that it's definitely a very like diverse community. And I feel like coming in, a lot of people don't realize that it's not just UCSB students and there's like real people, quote unquote, that live here. Um, so yeah, which I think, you know, it's it's a positive in the sense that um, I'm glad this is a place that like all sorts of people can live. Uh, but also, yeah, with COVID definitely has caused problems because the university, yeah, can't really control they can't control the Ivy housing market. They can't control what goes on here. They can't control rent, anything like that. Yeah, and I mean, on that subject, it kind of seems like the permanent residents and the low-income families, especially who live here, are the ones who get screwed over the most by some of these housing arrangements, um, especially where rent control is concerned. And I sort of just wanted to bring this up quickly because, you know, the 2020 election, one of the things on the ballot for statewide measures was Prop 21, which if it passed, um, would have changed the rules around how local governments can kind of enforce rent control and bring some stability to how landlords can increase rent prices or not increase rent prices. Um, And it didn't pass, but if it did, I think it possibly could have had the most helpful effect for those families who have been here for a really long time. So is that something that you and IVTU were involved in promoting? What does the non-passage, I guess, of this legislation mean for Ivy families going forward? So IVT was definitely involved in like education about Prop 21. 
we presented myself and um, one of my other board members presented at, uh, they did a Know Your Props week back in October. Um, we presented about Prop 21, uh, gave education about kind of what the prop was. Um, I also did a, I provided information for a article that Gauchos for Transparency did about Prop 21. So we've definitely been involved with Prop 21 education. Basically, Prop 21 allowed counties to enact like certain rent control measures. So it didn't necessarily mean it was going to happen, but it would have allowed Santa Barbara County to enact these certain rent control measures. So basically, for like, students, what that would mean is between tenancies, landlords couldn't raise rents beyond a certain amount. You know, sometimes between tenancies, landlords will try and raise the rent on tenants, which includes students. But this wouldn't have been the case because it wouldn't have been beyond an amount that like both parties agreed upon. So that's one thing about Prop 21 is it do- isn't just, you know, going to help students. It isn't just going to help like long term residents. It like would help everyone basically for long term residents. It would have meant that basically the county could enact rent control that goes beyond what we already have. So tenants are would be able to like plan for increases in rent in the future. And there would be no advantage for landlords to evict or push out long-term residents in order to charge higher rents for students, which is obviously something we've seen in the past is landlords kind of trying to raise rents and push out these long-term residents. So students will move in, but with rent control measures, that would have been a lot harder to do. And then people who are long-term residents, they can plan ahead. They know when rent's going to be increasing. Um, It won't be a really sudden jump over the summer or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, so kind of in the wake of this uh, prop not passing, is there any other alternatives or legislation that IVTU is trying to push forward to try and get some of these benefits? Yeah, we work with a couple, our legal director mostly and our advocacy working group, they kind of look at, you know, different legislation that's going on in regards to housing and they do research and They work with other entities in AS and outside of AS kind of on that. I know one piece of legislation that we were looking into was AB 15, which is the Tenant Stabilization Act of 2021. It would extend protections afforded tenants during the COVID-19 crisis by the COVID-19 Tenant Relief Act of 2020. So basically, um, a lot of those were supposed to expire January 31st, 2021, um, so we're supposed to extend those. We definitely do research on different, you know, bills that in, that are affecting tenants. Yeah, and two days ago, actually, I think Governor Newsom extended that rent relief legislation until June 2021, basically taking 2.6 billion in federal relief and using it to protect tenants against eviction caused by COVID-19, and then also assisting small property owners. Uh, I mean, I guess there's no way of knowing till we know who's getting the vaccine, but is that enough, do you think? Or do you think it's likely this is going to be extended again? I do think more relief, the better in general, just because everyone's obviously struggling with the pandemic. There's a lot of, you know, additional expenses that have been incurred due to the pandemic for a lot of people. So I do think generally it's a positive to, you know, give more relief to people um, because, again, there's just a lot of expenses and a lot of people out of work still. And then lastly, as you've probably seen, um, there's been a lot of media attention on Isla Vista and partying and rises in cases. 
uh, whether that's in, you know, the nexus, the local news and all this social media that's popped up around IV parties. And uh, there's been talk of people getting evicted for having non-COVID complying gatherings. Do you think that this is something that landlords should be involved in or that this should be left to the university and maybe to the county instead? It's a little unclear. I know certain landlords have talked about if there's been gatherings that break COVID regulation, you know, wanting to evict those tenants, especially if they're repeat offenders. I'm not 100% sure like how much landlords can do. It is hard, obviously within leases, it's hard to enforce, you know, other people following COVID restrictions. You can't break your lease if your roommate won't follow COVID restrictions. I do think that it's tough because landlords, obviously, it is their business. On the other hand, though, it is a danger to the community when people do this. So I think it's a really tough dilemma um, for them. And like, obviously, it looks bad on landlords when people are breaking COVID regulations at their properties. But at the same time, they are a business. So obviously, it would be nice if people in IV followed COVID regulations um, (laughs) properly and correctly. So in general, um, and I do think, you know, also the university, if people go to school here, this should also partially be the university's responsibility. I mean, they can't remove people from their housing if they don't live in university housing, but, you know, maybe more kind of like along a disciplinary track in some other way. Yeah, well, here's hoping maybe everyone decides to stay home. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks, Maya, for coming and talking with us. This was uh, really fun. And hopefully, you know, we all are staying safe and not getting evicted. <laughs> yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. If students want to support the work that Ivy Tenants Union is doing, or if you want to seek services for yourself, you can visit https colon slash slash ivtu.as.ucsb.edu. You can also check them out on Instagram at isla.vista.tenants.union or on Facebook under the name Isla Vista Tenants Union. Here are some other hot headlines from the Daily Nexus. For the first time ever, case numbers in the city of Santa Barbara are decreasing, while cases in IV are increasing. As of last week, 93 active cases of COVID-19 were reported in Isla Vista. Please stay safe, stay home, and double mask. While campus has been closed for the past year, UCSB has been taking advantage of the empty space by launching several new construction projects The Daily Nexus photography team set out to capture some of these exciting new developments in their latest In Photos series. Looking to finally get into meal prepping? On the Menu is here to help. Check out their Meal Prep Monday column for Celine Pun's article for five tasty meal prepping tips. Special thanks to our guest, Maya Surendra, and to the Hot Off the Pod team, Emily Kosis, Josh and Manti, and Tony Schindler-Ruberg. Be sure to subscribe and check us out on all the socials. See you next time.